0: Got three people down there. The ball's up. Welcome in to the DMBR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Harry Chisholm. Today is a very big day. Uh, the Pac-12 announced its new commissioner starting on July 1st, not quite yet. Um, George Klyoskov. He is currently, uh, for like two or three more weeks, the president of uh, sports and entertainment for MGM, which, you know, MGM, they own half of Vegas. Uh, the MGM Grand, the Aria, like 10 other resorts. On top of that, they're like a 42% owner of the T-Mobile Arena. That's the the new arena there. That's like where the Golden Knights play, all of that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, extensive work in that sort of environment, working with sports on that side. On top of that, he has like a pretty crazy background, which we're going to go through, but includes things like He was he was the first CEO of Hulu, and he was instrumental in like starting Hulu. Um, We'll get into all of that in just a second, though. First, more about the Colorado XOs. So the Colorado XOs, beyond being the presenting sponsor of this podcast, are a rugby team that as you probably guessed are based in Colorado. Um, they're a new rugby team. This is their first season. And it's also the first season for most of their players. Um, they're taking athletes who played like college football or or something like that minor league baseball. And then they're teaching them how to play rugby with the idea that, you know, they're good enough athletes that at least a couple of them should be able to get onto the U S national team, which plays and practices at, uh, the, the same facility as the Colorado Eagles. It's a cool thing going on. They're five and three. You can follow along with DNVR Rugby on Twitter or uh, the DNVR Rugby podcast or the written content at thedmvr.com. Um, Let's see, where to start? I want to start by saying this. I did not expect to be happy about who the Pac-12 hired. Um, I, I really did expect to be very very, very disappointed um, for a bunch of reasons. First of all, it's basically been every other day or every three days that we're hearing one more name is not interested in the job. And, you know, when you're looking for the Pac-12 commissioner, that is a, a one of the top jobs in sports um, in terms of, like, the, the administrative side, just in terms of, like, pay and all that kind of stuff. Like, you look at the pro sports leagues, you look at the other conferences... When you're getting kind of publicly turned down by a lot of good candidates, it's not always great. Um, On top of that, uh, we didn't know. Actually, I think there were reports last night, the reports last night that we were going to uh, be hearing today, likely who the commissioner would be, and if not today, then probably tomorrow. Um, This morning, though, we heard things like Oliver Luck, uh, who I think a lot of us, including John Wilner, who we talked a lot about and will continue to talk a lot about the reporter for for the Wilner hotline, Mercury news. It's in all the newspapers on the West coast. Um, He was his favorite too. He thought he was the most likely. Well, we learned today that that is not going to happen. Um, From there, let's just go through some of these uh, John Wilner tweets, Uh, things like the list of people. It won't be is stellar. The list of people it could be is, well, we'll see. Um, Pac-12 fans better hope the president's put as much energy into making the smart decision as they have into keeping this quiet. Um, source, there is a 99% chance that nobody in college sports has ever heard of the next Pac-12 commissioner. Don't like hearing that at all. That that was the one where things took a turn in my head. I, I was very ready for this to be a bad day. Things turned around, though. Um... And uh, actually, the the real low point. The real low point came from the next tweet after that, when we said, "I have figured out the ID of the next Pac-12 commissioner, but I'm so shocked that quadruple confirmation is required to make sure that I'm not being set up." So uh, that that was how that was how everybody was feeling before the name came out, and the name came out about a half hour after that. The name, of course, George Klyovkov, the uh, president of entertainment and sports at MGM. Um, Again, initially, the first reaction is, well, that means betting is going to be a thing. Uh, Vegas is likely to be even more of a thing in the Pac-12. Stuff like that. When you really dig into his experience, there's a lot to like. And so so let's let's start by doing that um i'm not sure if i've said this but i was just on a, on a call with uh Klyofkoff and uh, michael shill who is the uh, president at the university of oregon he's also the head of the pac-12 ceo group which is basically the, the, the highest-ranking governing body in the Pac-12. You know, that's basically like the board of directors for the Pac-12, and he is the president of that. He's obviously been very involved in the search for the next commissioner. Um, here's here's Klyovkov's background. Um, let's, just, let's just pull this from the Pac-12 press release. Um, during his tenure at MGM Resorts International, Klyovkov managed one of the largest live entertainment and sports businesses in the world, also oversaw the company's sponsorship spend with professional and college sports leagues, conferences, including the Pac-12 men's and women's basketball tournaments and the Pac-12 football championship game uh, and teams. Uh, additionally, he led the company's global sponsorship sales efforts and sat on the board of BetMGM, one of the three largest U.S. sports betting companies. So there you go. There, there's uh, some betting stuff. Let's keep going. We can talk about all this stuff together. Uh There's a lot of words. Is it worth it? It is worth it. Um, A proponent of women's sports. He served as a member of the board of governors of the WNBA managed the Las Vegas Aces WNBA franchise prior to selling the team earlier this year to Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis Uh, in the media and entertainment space. Klyovkov. Co led, okay, some of these words are really big. Uh, he was at Hearst Entertainment and Syndication. He oversaw Hearst's interest in cable television networks. That includes ESPN, ane Lifetime, History. Um, he also uh, managed the purchase of a 50% stake in Mark B- Burnett pr- Productions. That includes things like Survivor, The Apprentice, Shark Tank, The Voice, The Bible. Bible's a big one, uh, and then later negotiating a sale to MGM Studios. Um, good stuff. We'll circle back to all this, but let's just get this out of the way. Um, he was the first Chief Digital Officer at NBC Universal. Um, did a bunch of things there, including uh, working f- obviously on the NBC Universal side with News Corp to create and launch Hulu. Uh, which became a top five U.S. video site within six months of launch. Klyovkov served as the interim CEO of Hulu until the first full-time CEO was hired, and then he served on the joint ventures board. Yeah. um, Some quotes from people who said they have been very impressed with him. Not a surprise. Uh, He was also executive vice president of business for Major League Baseball Advanced Media, Managed corporate development, business development, baseball's digital media subscription licensing businesses. That's the interesting part to me, the media subscription stuff. Um, he was also an attorney. So there you go. There, There's like your quick background. Um, My favorite parts of this, and there are a lot of them. The, the Let's start with the easy one, like just the Vegas ties. I mean, MGM is very, very involved in almost everything that happens in Vegas, um, including with the Raiders, you know, I mentioned he sold the Vegas aces to the Raiders owner, Mark Davis. They also have like a partnership with BetMGM um, that, that I'm sure he was a part of, um, a bunch of other stuff like that, you know, that relationship between Kliovskov and the Raiders is a big one. First of all, you have the Pac-12 championship game being played in that stadium for the next two years. Um, also worth noting that the the basketball tournaments that uh, the Pac-12 holds, the postseason tournaments, those are both at T-Mobile Arena, which was is run by Klyoskov and his people. Um, so they've obviously been working together for a while. It's those sorts of relationships, though, that make you wonder whether more of the Pac-12, uh, or whether the Pac-12 will just straight up move to Vegas. Honestly, that's what it is. And, and if you were to ask me, I would say, yes, that will happen. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, somebody brought it up today. I think it was Adam Monster Tiger tweeted, um, that Larry Scott did sign an 11 year contract to stay in San Francisco in 2011. So, at the end of 2011, maybe it's like the beginning of 2023, they can move. Or maybe you could even move before. That. I don't know. Um, actually, he was asked about that. And he basically said, like, yeah, me and my family, we're moving to San Francisco. My priorities are the things I laid out earlier. We got to get the media stuff done, um, all that. Once we get through those things, then we'll consider it. And I took that as, I think, I think there's going to be a pretty big push to bring the the Pac-12 into uh Vegas um I probably could have built more of an outline I'm gonna I'm gonna run through some tweets and just pull some quotes that people liked from all that uh oh here's here's something I found interesting actually let's jump in with this um he said he wants the college football playoff expanded He just straight up said that and he was asked about it later saying, you know, how do you want to expand it? How many teams Uh, should there be automatic qualifiers that kind of stuff? And what he said was, you know, I haven't done enough research to check into how exactly it should work. But what I do know is that there's there's been reports that a decision could be made on the expansion Sometime in June, and I don't actually get to take over until July. So I want it on record that we want to do this, and and hopefully they pay attention. Um, You can tell he's a smart guy. I mean, that's not really a surprise, given that he's had all the positions he's had, and he's had success in all those positions. But things like, you know, when people talk about expanding the playoff they don't usually come with the type of numbers that Klyovkov brought, saying things like, you know, on average, when you look at NCAA Division I sports, student athletes have about an 18% chance of being able to make it into the NCAA tournament or compete for an NCAA championship. In football, it's about 3%. And he has polls things like that that say, is this really what we want to do? On top of that, you know, 20 of the 28 spots have gone to four teams or something like that pointing things out and I mean, there's going to be the same arguments about college football playoff expansion that there always are where it's like you, you have the same teams there because they're the good teams and other people saying, well, if there were more spots, then kids would be like, well, I don't need to join the one, two or three best teams because I can still get a chance to compete at one of those other schools And that was about the, you know, just the the same arguments back and forth. And it is nice to hear just a little bit different approach. But more importantly than that, it's nice to see that he's putting the Pac-12 in front. Because this would be a very good thing for the Pac-12. Straight up. Like, I don't think there's any debate. That's the conference that's had the toughest time getting a team into the top four. I mean, they haven't done it in a few years. So, yeah. The Pac-12 does need expanded. Um he was asked about women's basketball and actually the question was, uh, will you consider like bringing the tournament back to Seattle now that there's an arena there again? And he just had to say like, actually I work for MGM for like two or three more weeks. So I I can't say that I'm going to take the arena or take the tournament away from one of my arenas or say that whatever, what I will say is that when the time comes, we'll talk about it. And he said, you know, I, I like women's basketball. Obviously, he does. He's pay attention. I think that that's something that people will, uh, if, if they give it a chance, they will like it. Whether it's in person, whether it's on TV, it's a good product. It's growing. It's something that we should invest in. And then he answered, again, to a women's basketball reporter, just straight up, we know where our bread is buttered. We're focusing on revenue sports and winning in men's basketball and football. Yes. That is that's nice. Um, ooh, we should go back. He he did say uh, he he has his three biggest priorities. Number one, protect and support student athletes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's all. That's you got. Uh, Whether that is your number one priority or not, you do have to say that if you have that job. Uh, Number two, make decisions to optimize revenue, including renegotiating distribution deals. There we go. I totally agree that that is, I mean, maybe even number one, maybe so important that it should be the only priority. Um, But yeah, there you go. Number three, do everything better to make revenue sports more competitive, especially football. So there you go. And, and those are kind of the three pieces. Revenue sports, optimizing revenue, supporting student-athletes. Yeah, makes sense. Um, the media deal is interesting, um, especially because the one thing that I really like... I mean, that's not true. There's a lot of things I really like. One of the things I really like is he does when you look around, have a reputation as like a deal maker. He's somebody who gets things done. It's they say that sort of thing about him. And I actually talked to, yeah, sure. Might as well bring this up. Um, I, I talked to somebody who works with him in a pretty, pretty high up position, um, with MGM who said he is great. He is really great. Um, he's a great leader. He listens, that kind of stuff. um, I actually heard the great leader thing from somebody else too. So there you go. Um, Good to hear that, especially after, you know, the reports that Larry Scott was hated because he didn't listen to the people around him. Um, There's a good sign from somebody who I heard from. Um, What else do we have to say? Well, I forget though. I was saying I really like something. It was relationships. Oh, but on top of that, the, the deal making, you look at what he's done. Um, Exclusive betting partner MG, bet MGM is uh, with the Broncos, so they got that on top of that. They're uh, betting partners with uh, the Lions, the Raiders, the Titans, Steelers, Red Wings, Nationals, 76ers, um, and then some like weird ones too. You know, Top Golf, they found a way to, to get Topgolf Golf involved in all this. Um, Yahoo Sports, a Buffalo Wild Wings, they give them custom live odds that they show on their TVs in there. It's, I like I like it for a couple of reasons. Like I said, he got all these deals done, which is a great start. You know, he he now has relationships with all these people too. Uh, you will like that as well, and on top of it, you like the creativity. You know, going after Top Golf, going after Yahoo Sports, Buffalo Wild Wings. You're not. Just following the mold. And I think that that's the big thing with uh, Klyoskov. You know, in in general, what you really like is the ability to be creative. You know, there were the rumors last time around that maybe the Pac-12 would want to start working with streaming services. You know, maybe Apple TV wants to you know, broadcast all the Pac-12 games or Amazon or whoever. Uh, Those rumors kind of going around. When you look at what Klyoskov has done in his career, I mean, it starts with Hulu, with streaming. And it doesn't even start there. You know, it's the NBC Universal stuff, being the first director of digital media there. He's kind of been at the forefront of all of these changes. You know, digital media getting things to stream, going to Hulu and, and creating a streaming service, you know, not the first one there was Netflix, but very early on. And one that has had a whole bunch of success. Um, he was, he was working with ESPN. I think he said that the, the company he was working with, I think that was, was that one Hearst? Yeah, it was Hearst. Um, one of the properties they owned was a 20% stake in ESPN. And that was at the time, When the SEC network, the ACC network were being created. He was involved in that. You'd love to see things like that. And he was actually asked about the Pac-12 network. Like, is there a future for the Pac-12 network? And he said, yeah, there is a, there is a future. Um, but there were some other things they said. Let's see if I can find this. Um wow Uh, this is tough to find oh that's college football playoff um okay well maybe i just can't find it oh today the pac-12 network has a has fewer subscribers than any other comparable network we have to fix that i think there's a way to fix that through structuring and relationships but we have to get the pac-12 network distributed every place on every platform that our fans want to be able to consume that content. I also think the media rights in the PAC 12 network is a small slice of the media rights that we can create and distribute. Um, there are some very obvious and perhaps not so obvious ideas to optimize the revenue distribution of our content, slicing and dicing. Um, that content is candidly what I've done in many of my previous roles with great success. But just to be clear, I'm not going to get into those ideas before doing the work to validate them. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Because, I don't know. Should the Pac-12 network just be ditched? uh, The other conferences have made it work. And they've done it totally differently than the Pac-12 does. It's a joint venture like the Big Ten with Fox or the SEC or the ACC with ESPN. Um, Pac-12 being like a standalone pack 12 owned. And I think maybe they even did sell some of it recently, um, because of the pandemic. But the point is, I I do think that there is a role, but getting it in front of people is obviously the big thing. A guy who has relationships with Hulu should be able to finally get on Hulu. How is that not a thing? Like for me personally, I pay $45 a month so that I can get sling. And I don't watch anything on sling other than the pack 12 network. Might as well, if you're the Pac-12 network, say, hey, you can just stream our stuff and we'll charge you $40 a month. And I would flip over in an instant. And that's a lot of money. The fact that we're sitting in this place just doesn't make any sense. And obviously, like, you can't just start giving that away because it says in other deals that you can't just sell direct or whatever. But you've got to find a way to make the Pac-12 network accessible. And in particular, through streaming services, so that it's accessible not just In your territory, but around the country. Anybody who wants to watch the Pac 12 network should be able to without paying $45 a month on top of what they already pay. Because the thing, I don't even have like the Nice Sling. And I don't even think the Nice Sling has all, I mean, it doesn't have the things I want. It doesn't have Altitude. It doesn't have the whatever the Rockies are on. I don't even know what that's called anymore because I uh, don't watch them. Um, But. You like seeing somebody who has been at the forefront, again, of all these changes that are being made. um, I've got some more thoughts. It's probably time to take an ad break, though. Um, See, I can't be saying that stuff without looking at where the ads are pulling those up first. I guess I can start by telling you about DMVR. Um, if you guys want to become a member, there's an awesome deal. You can get an annual subscription that comes with a free shirt and a free Recover Holistic Stick. More on that in a second. Just for the price of a normal year-long subscription. If you get uh, any longer subscription, guess what? You can get that too. Um, the, the same deal. Uh, but that that Recover Holistic Stick that we send comes from Holistic Wellness It it packs CBD into like a little stick, you just stir it around, and then boom, you've got a CBD drink that's going to help you recover. They also have stuff that helps with sleep, with beauty, all that, Uh, and if you go to holisticwellness.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K, wellness.com, then you can get 30% off with the code DMVR30. Again, get that annual membership, get a free shirt, check out one of the CBD sticks, see how you like it. And that'll actually come with a coupon. And then you can go use that DMVR30 code. Or if you just want to jump straight in, go ahead and do that too. Also, uh, what today? Thursday, Strava Craft Coffee. Um, we love Strava. Oh, so yesterday I was saying I I screwed up the it reads. I figure how I screwed up the reads yesterday. And I think I actually messed up yesterday's and not today's. Um... Oh, well, let's just go with it. Um, Strava wants some help. Strava wants some help. Uh, they've, they haven't they have been getting a whole bunch of orders from DMVR people. They want more. And because of that, they've given us a better offer. Uh, with the code DMVR25, you can now get 25% off your purchase instead of, you know, the, the 20 that you were able to get before. Uh, you can also subscribe and get that 20%. Every single time you can pick uh, again, CBD infused coffee. You can get K cups, grounds, beans, you take your pick and then it'll deliver to you every two, four, six, or eight weeks. It's your choice. And you get 20% off every time. Um, again, first time users can use the code DMVR25. to get 25% off that first order. Check it out. Then subscribe. That'd be my move. Uh, it's great coffee. Doesn't cause jitters. It helps with joint pains, headaches, all that kind of stuff. So definitely uh, go and check that out because it's, it's seriously good stuff. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main event fighter you think will win and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on select fighters and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So... Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch your fist fly this weekend. That's code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, uh, back into George. Um, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? We went through what he wants to do. Um, here's a good tweet from Dennis Dodd from CBS. George Kliovkov is detailing how he'd fix Pac-12 football more in five minutes than the previous administration did in the past 11 years. Let's jump in there because he did actually, he, he did a good job explaining how to fix football. You know, I, when you hear a question like that, maybe I'm just conditioned by, again, the previous administration. You, uh, you don't expect much of an answer. You know, I'm trying to find the exact quote here. Got it. Um, question was (laughs) the specifically how do you fix football on the field you know with coaches and with a new tv deal that's a that's not an easy question to answer um he said thank you for that question i anticipated that one it was actually the first question of the day makes sense because that's what everybody wants to know um he he started by saying We can consistently compete and win titles in football and basketball. That is absolutely something that can happen. We don't have to jeopardize our commitment to academic excellence, the well-being of our student-athletes, anything like that. He said that he wants to start by talking with the coaches, talking with the ADs, all that kind of stuff. Because, again, the... I don't know for sure. Cause I'm not an AD or somebody involved in the football program. But what people were saying is that Larry Scott didn't really talk to people, um, in those positions. So there's, there's a good start there. Then he really gets into it. Um, he said that there are some structural issues, but also he wants to see a more focused approach on recruiting. um, Let's just keep going through this answer. I'll be pushing to expand the college football playoff. I believe that it's not good for college football. Again, it's the 20 of 28 number in there. He's got the 18 to 25% chance of participating in their sports postseason for other sports, 3% in football. Um, Then he brings up, you know, what happened last year? You look at the elite eight in the men's basketball tournament. You've got a six seed USC, 11 seed UCLA, 12 seed Oregon state. And he said, We just need chances. But then he said, we also need to review and address non-conference and conference scheduling, um, game times. That's an interesting one that he brought up. But it makes sense, though. I think that, in particular, he's probably talking about the Pac-12 after dark. The Pac-12 after dark is a lot of fun. It doesn't help anything, though, because no matter what happens, it kind of just turns into a joke about the Pac-12. You know, nobody's saying, like, SEC after dark... Look at these weird things happening. Oh, Ole Miss is gonna take down Bama. Ha. Like, that is not a good thing in the long term. Sure, in in like the short term, it it generates like viewership because people wanna jump in and and see whatever crazy thing is going to happen late at night. But that's a very that's focused on that one night instead of the full season or the five-year period in which you just want to see good, well-played competitive football that does produce a winner that deserves to be a winner and on top of that, by putting it that late, the the effect of saying, Oh, pack 12 after dark, something crazy is going to happen. That doesn't even counteract the fact that everybody's asleep anyway. Um, but moving on from there, I, even though I did think that the game times was interesting. Um, he also said, you know, everything is up for review. I want to make us more competitive. I want to be clear about that. Um, Finally, on structure, we're going to invest and upgrade standardized technology at the conference level to share with the teams to help the schools recruit and be more competitive on the field with respect to recruiting and being competitive in recruiting. I think there are lessons to be learned from public and private institutions that make their lifeblood on being able to retain and attract great talent. I think we have to learn some of these lessons, particularly perhaps from our Silicon Valley friends. We need to make sure that high school athletes understand the lifetime value of Pac-12 education. We need to be more aggressive about teaching the legacy of the Pac-12 as the Conference of Champions at the conference level. We will invest... To give Pac-12 athletes, football players, and others an opportunity to create a bigger social platform, we believe video creation and other tools help the athletes. And once NIL comes into effect, that will help the athletes substantially. Finally, we will be a proponent of consistent and fair approach to name, image, and likeness legislation, and we believe that's a competitive advantage for the Pac-12 because of the markets we play in and the opportunity that some um, athletes will have to start a. And then my thing cuts off but um that's good stuff the recruiting thing is huge and he makes good points honestly things that people talk about like oh yeah you come to the Pac-12 it's they're great schools that's why they don't let you know Boise State and BYU in because and you're like yeah that's good nobody really thinks of that as a huge drawing point to the average high school football player And I do think, you know, he doubled down on that multiple times throughout the call, even at one point at the end saying, like, you know, stay tuned. Like, like we are we are big into this. It's going to be very obvious. We are going to be loud about it, I think was one of the lines. Um, But just reminding high school kids that there is a lot more value in the average Pac-12 education than the average, you know, sec big 10, whatever education, you know, the, the, the learning outcomes are like, it it is very clear. It's not a huge surprise. I mean, we, we call Cal Cal, but the rest of the world knows them as UC Berkeley. One of the best schools in the world, Uh, Stanford, USC, obviously Colorado too. There's so many good schools, you should be able to pull better athletes because of that. You should be able to sell them on the idea that, hey, even if you don't have a future in football, look at this. And and even if you do have a future in football, it's still good to be smart. Um, And, and I like that. And I do think that if you are loud enough about it, it will work. You know, if, if all these schools are constantly saying, come get this Pac-12 education, Pac-12 education... That's not a phrase you hear. SEC football is a phrase you hear. Pac-12 education, not so much. It should be, though. Again, that's not going to automatically solve everything, but it should certainly help. Um, what else is in there? The I, I, This is kind of the big thing, and I think every conference is going to be looking at how to best take advantage of NIL. <laughs> obviously PAC 12 is too. And and this is why I'm not so sure that there will be this huge jump. I like what he brought up about the markets. Um, You know, there are going to be more opportunities. And when you're at USC, UCLA um, to, to sell your name, image and likeness, then there are again, like the sec. Sure. Like there's, there's going to be people who want to give them money so that more students come, all that kind of stuff, Whatever. Tuscaloosa though, not as many eyes as there are in Los Angeles. There's something there. And on top of that, you know, video creation, promoting them, this is somebody who gets it. you know, I'm not sure Larry Scott was going to be pitching video series about student athletes and promoting them and whatever. I'm, I'm curious to see what this actually looks like because the execution is what's going to be important. Like if you're cheesy about it and that kind of stuff, well, then it's not going to work. But I do like that the focus is on this kind of stuff. And I do think that, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that you... I mean, there's a lot of things that need to happen for the Pac-12 to be competitive in football in the way they want to. You know, Oregon, if like I said yesterday, if they have a quarterback that maybe the sky is the limit for them this season. They have a lot of pieces. I don't know that they're like in a sustained success position though. Obviously not. They haven't had success in a few years, not to the level that the PAC 12 needs. Same thing with all these schools, but I, the, I don't even know what like the investment in technology at the conference level is going to mean. You know, I remember, you know, Mel Tucker last year got like the two years ago. Wow. Wow. Um, the, the devices that like track your heart rate and how fast you're going and all of that kind of stuff. is really expensive. Is that the kind of technology investment where Pac-12 is just going to say, Hey, this is what we need to, to keep up. Let's get this. Is it, is it more of a tracking data type of thing? You know, you get like the NFL analytics. I don't even remember what they call it, but basically they tell you like, here's how fast he was on this play. Here's like the sh- the route everybody took and all that kind of stuff. And just a crazy number of data points maybe that's what it is. I'm not so sure. Curious about that. Tough to get too excited when you don't know what the details are. What I really do think though, is that you can sell the PAC 12 better than it's been sold. And, you know, there is, there's a responsibility on the coaching staffs to be doing that themselves, but a concerted effort from the PAC 12 office, it will make an impact, you know, reminding everybody like just straight up post the graphic what is the average, you know, income of students who come from Pac-12 schools versus other schools, student athletes in particular, you know, that's, that dad is out there. You should be pushing that and making it obvious that there is that much of a separation. Um, because I, I really do think that there is, you know, who is, maybe I'm wrong, but none of the other conferences have like, first of all, you have Stanford and that should be the top of all the power five schools in terms of academics. And then you have other options from there. Um, what else is going on? Um, again, he said he, he wasn't going to, this is, this is another good point. It's something that, uh, Michael Schill pointed out as well when asked like, so, so what do you like about him? You know, you, you picked another guy who doesn't directly have experience with college athletics. Which, you know, George pointed out, he was a rower in college. Uh, But what uh, Michael had to say was like, you've seen it. He knows what he knows. He's a smart guy. He's a bright guy. More importantly, he knows what he doesn't know. And when asked, like, how should the college football playoff expand? You know, he basically said, like, I need to go talk to the athletic directors and the coaches and all those people. And then figure out how we want it to expand, which is the right answer. And he said it in more words Um, basically said, like, I, I don't know at this point, I haven't done the work. Um, and I just know that right now I need to say we do at the PAC 12 believe there needs to be an expansion because like I said, there, there's a real chance they make a decision before he actually has any power. Um, wanted to get out there. Um, I don't know. I think that that's a lot of what he had to say. Is there anything else from his background? I want to go back to again that relationship with Las Vegas in all of the different forms it takes. You know, first of all, the relationship he has with MGM Resorts. You know, what does that mean when it comes time in in two years to say okay? basketball tournament contract expires at least for the women i'm not sure if the men expires at the same time um that's when the uh football uh, we'll get into that later but for the basketball tournaments when he goes back to mgm and says hey buddy uh we want to keep our tournaments here what if we sign a long-term deal you know could, could you give us a little bit of a deal if we if we did that based on his reputation i think that that's on the table and, and those are the sorts of deals that he is responsible for same thing like with the Raiders. He's done so much work with the Raiders. He sold a basketball team to the owner of the Raiders. When it comes time to say, hey, okay, we want to keep this game here. This football championship game. Uh, can you can, can you meet us halfway? I think they can. And then from there, you just have so many other things. And the fact that he has like like he said, he was he was in the room at the Pac 12 basketball tournament when they decided to cancel the tournament. Because, of course, he was the, the highest-ranking MGM sports guy. And that was in MGM Arena, or at least 42.5% owned by them. Um, so he has that. And you, you have to remember, there's all the, all the shows. You know, Bruno Mars is starting his residency at whatever MGM Resort. And Eric Church. And, like, you just use Google uh, George's name. And that's the kind of stuff that pops up. On top of that, though, there's the boxing. Um, UFC, whether it's at the T-Mobile arena, whether it's at, um, one of the other resorts, he does have a lot of experience in that side of things and the combination of experience and relationships could go a long way, you know? And like I said, there's, there's still a couple of years left on that deal with the, with basically whatever in San Francisco to use that space. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to move to Vegas. I think it just makes a lot of sense. I think... I mean, I I feel like I shouldn't even have to explain why. Like, it's cheaper. You have your tournaments there. It's a great place for everybody to meet. It's convenient. Nobody is going to be disappointed that they have to go to Vegas. Um, It's obviously a lot cheaper than San Francisco. I, I... Is there an office space in there that somebody would cut him a deal on in exchange for who knows what? I don't know. But again, I just think that with these relationships and all that kind of stuff, I like it. I like it. He did talk a little bit about the betting side, basically saying his role is going to be to help the campuses understand what their opportunities are, how to take best advantage of those opportunities without taking any risks. um, You know, Colorado was the first and only Pac-12 school with a with a sponsor a betting sponsor that's points bet um maybe there's more and he's like yeah there really wasn't too much betting talk um just interesting it's interesting um oh yeah here's the Vegas answer I want to be clear. I am with my family relocating to San Francisco and will be working full time in San Francisco. I think the emergence of Las Vegas as a sports capital of the world is significant. I think having our two major championships there is a good first step. I'd like to see us do more with Las Vegas, but I'm very, very focused on all of those other opportunities that I outlined first. I think they're moving to Vegas. That's not based on like real hard facts. This is a guess. I think they're moving to Vegas. Um, I'm excited too. I think that that'd be great. I also, I don't know. It's with the women's sports things, there's some interesting stuff. Cause obviously he does care. You could tell he's passionate about it. I and mean, his background would also lead you to believe that as well. I do like seeing, you know, two major championships, you know, we, we know where our bread is buttered. It. it just because things aren't going well in football and basketball and obviously building women's sports and taking advantage, you know, I've said this before, maybe not so much on this podcast. Somebody is going to make a lot of money on women's sports. Maybe a lot of people, somebody is, I just don't really know how. And if I did, then I'd love to be the guy who does it. I do think that there is something there at the same time with where this conference is, you got to fix football and basketball. And he understands that. Um, the previous administration, there there was an emphasis on Olympic sports. <laughs> there, we'll leave it at that. Um. Yeah, I think that uh, there can't be anything else I have to talk about. I feel like we've been doing this for a while. Forty five minutes. That's actually not bad. <laughs> says he's going to measure success by those three priorities he laid out. Um, yeah, mentioned greatest institutions in the world. Oh yeah. He he was asked what is the greatest strength of the PAC 12 greatest weakness? The, the, the campuses, the schools, those are the uh, greatest strength. They're some of the greatest institutions, not just in the country, but in the world. Um, The value of a Pac-12 education cannot be overstated, and we're going to make a big deal about making that very, very public. Love it. Um, The greatest weakness, if we're being honest with ourselves, is the number of years it's been since we won a football or men's basketball championship. We're going to do everything we can at the conference level to fix that now. Yeah. Didn't, Didn't dodge it. Um he brought up how he thinks that kind of his his strength, wherever he's been has been that he hasn't had like a, he hasn't been like an insider. He's been somebody from the outside who's been able to go in with a clear mind and see what's happening and say, ah, this is what I like. This is what I don't like without being bogged down too much by the way things have always been. Um, you know, he said, uh, Not coming in with preconceived notions about how things should operate or should be has always played to my advantage. That said, I'll need my colleagues and the conference and input from the ADs and the coaches and the student-athletes to help guide me through some of the nuances, and it may make sense to bring in a senior-level person to focus on that part of the job. Stay tuned. That's the other thing. That was what we almost missed. So he did say that. You know, it does sound like there's going to be some sort of senior level executive as he said that will be kind of the the voice of all the ad's and coaches somebody who while george will be talking to them and that kind of stuff somebody who makes it their priority like what they do is knowing what the struggles and all that are for everybody else down there you know i i like it we'll see how it goes um When you think about who that could be, I think Rick George honestly jumps to the top of the list. You know, in in AD from the Pac-12, very good knowledge of what campuses need help with, what didn't work with the previous administration, has a relationship with the rest of the athletic directors, obviously somebody who's qualified for, for that type of position. Personally, again, I don't even want to say like personally, I wouldn't like it because I would be happy for Rick George. It would be tough for Colorado to lose him. Um, uh, Why did you take this job? You know, basically because things were going well in his previous job. He actually, so he took, he took the job he had before. I think it was October of 2018. And since then, like the MGM stock price has gone up and all those metrics would make you think it's been good. Worth noting, remember, there was a pandemic that happened during all that, that knocked everything down. Again, Vegas, MGM, not not a place where a pandemic goes over easy. It still has already like rebounded and gained and all that kind of stuff. Um, meanwhile, Pac-12 done a lot of losing recently. <laughs> Um, he said, you know, I believe in the mission. I believe that if we do our jobs correctly, we increase the distributions to all the member institutions that creates opportunities in the forms of scholarships and other academic support for men and women. My previous job was important. Our mission, our mission at my previous job was to entertain the human race. I think we did a pretty, pretty good job of that. I want to focus on this new mission, which I think has significant importance in our society. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, good stuff. I, okay. That's gotta be it. Um, cool. Well, maybe there will be more stuff that jumps to mind tomorrow. We'll talk more about this. If not, there's that story from The Athletic that I liked. Also, um, there's going to be something else to talk about, uh, even if it's just like what other people think of this hire. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, I like it though. I will close by saying that I like it. Um, when you look at the background, you know, the most important thing for the in the next few years is the media rights. Um, he did say that there will be a window where they can renegotiate the current deal. And he used the, the word renegotiate a couple of times, um, would not elaborate on that when asked, I think twice. And I think the second I was like, hey, can I ask if this? And he said, you can ask. I'm not going to answer. And he laughed. And it was like, if you're going to shut somebody down, that was a pretty good way to do it. Um, but because that's, what's so important at this point, getting somebody who was, you know, at the forefront of Hulu was very instrumental in starting Hulu. That obviously helps because you know, that he's somebody who understands how that stuff works. It also could be as simple as he has good friends at Hulu and can, that that will help him make a good deal. Um, and maybe he can even say, you know, I get that this isn't the greatest product right now and you don't want to spend that much money on it and whatever, but trust me, it's going to get better. I think those people would trust him and maybe they would say, okay, let's, let's invest here a little bit. You know, there's a lot of different ways that this could go, but having that experience um, before that, obviously with NBC universal, he, he did a whole bunch of stuff with the creation of the sec network with uh, the ACC network. That is very important when you look at what is happening with the Pac-12 network, which is structured differently than any of those other networks, and has not worked the way that you would want it to. I and mean, he understands you got to get the product in front of people. I, you like all of that. You like the ties to Vegas and particularly the sports community in Vegas, um, because I think that when you look around. If there's one sports community you want a Pac-12 commissioner to be tied into, it is Vegas. Because that's where your championships are. I think there's potential for a lot more things to be there too. Um, What else do I like? You guys get it. We've been at this for an hour. But good day. A good day. Um, I'll see you guys tomorrow.